0: And it goes a little yeah. Hi, my name is Rachel. And my name is Ingrid. And, and this, this is Team, team Sapiens, Sapiens where diverse, diverse perspectives, perspectives and, health and healthcare care converge. Ingrid. About half of the world's population is born with female genitalia, which also means about half of the population experiences menstrual cycles.
1: Yes, so menstruation is vilified across many cultures. It's considered taboo, um, it's considered dirty, impure, all things of the sort. Um, specifically in Nepal, um, there are menstruation huts where those who experience cycles have to be in isolation because they're considered like dirty and impure. Um, and I bring this up not to point the finger at any cultures, like, and I'm not trying to condemn their beliefs or anything. Um, just to bring up a point that um, we need to correct these misconceptions about the menstrual cycle because it can easily turn into like violence against those who experience the cycles. Um, anyway, here today, we have a special guest that works in a lab dealing with menstruation.
2: Hi everyone, my name's Elizabeth.
1: So hi Liz, um, can you tell us a little bit about your lab?
2: Um, so right now I'm working in Dr. Hasselton's lab. Um, her lab specifically focuses on evolution and sexuality. My PI specifically focuses on misconceptions and biases against menstruation and those who menstruate. Um, most of our data was collected roughly last year from surveys sent out to different students. Um, and basically, these surveys asked about students understanding about cultural significance around menstruating practices, what they already knew about menstruation and what they wish they knew. Um, then also about just social and biological awareness about the process around menstruation, and also what are their biases against those who menstruate.
0: Thank you so much. Um, on to the next question. So what drew you to your lab? Is it something you were actually looking for? Did it just happen? What made you actually decide to participate in it? Why do you think your research topic is important?
2: Um, I think it was a little bit of both for me. Like, I was very fortunate enough to find this lab, um, but I kind of just stumbled upon it at random. I'm actually really interested in women's health. I've taken several classes at UCLA about, like, women's health or, like, maternal and infant health, then also about, like, health disparities. So, in general, I was kind of looking for something that would be along these lines especially because I want to specifically focus on women's health in like my future career Um, I think for the most part not for the most part like this is actually a super important topic Um, violence against women is a problem but also understanding like what that violence may look like and sometimes just in like not understanding processes that like women have to go through and that includes like menstruation kind of having like women be isolated or feel like this is a like disgusting process or phenomenon for them, even though it's natural, is a form of violence against women. So I think the work that we do in this lab is really, not only really interesting, but also really important.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I never thought of it that way. Um, Stigmatizing in itself is violence. yeah, I would agree that issues revolving around periods are like a humanitarian crisis. Um, and this is because not having access to like um, necessary hygiene products can disrupt the daily routines of people's lives. Um, an example of this, that uh, just a random example, is that many girls around the world have to miss school when they're on their cycles because they don't have access to these hygiene products. And so because they have to miss school, um, they're missing out on like opportunities to learn. It's basically negatively impacting their education. And when their education is negatively impacted, so is their future. Because a lot of, um, I would say, students depend on their education for their future, specifically. And um, adding on to this, this creates disparities amongst um, groups of different sexes, different genders. Um, Disparities such as economic disparities, educational ones, as I touched on a little bit, and even social ones. So, an example of a social disparity that intertwines with like economic disparities is that when a, in our society today, is that when a person is pregnant, they have to take time off of work and um, getting like paid time off due to a pregnancy is not necessarily guaranteed. I think it depends on which company you work for. Um, yeah, and then there are laws that have had to be created in order to prevent like discrimination of this type. Um, so another example of this, um, I don't know if anyone who's listening has ever watched Desperate Housewives, but there's like, I so random, but there's a character called Annette. She was like basically trying to hide her pregnancy for as long as she could, because she knew that her pay would not be insured. And so I would also consider this violence against women. It's like economic violence, it's social violence. Um, and I think it's crazy that like it's not something that is protected by law on like a federal level. I think it's more on like a state level that women have like certain rights when it comes to um, being paid while on their pregnancy. Anyway, that was like a long ramble. Um, our next question are, what are some common misconceptions about menstruation that you know of or that you've like touched on in your lab? Um,
2: I would say the most common misconception around menstruation is about it being dirty, like it's a dirty process as opposed to it being a natural like evolutionary process. Um, I think there's a lot of social and cultural things surrounding that particular point. But I think that's a pretty common one that we see all the time. Um, a few ones that I remember reading were about like the length of a menstrual cycle. There's a lot of people, both menstruating and those who don't menstruate, that don't fully understand that like one cycle is very different from person to person, whether that be like how consistent per month. Because some people don't have like cycles that come every month then there's also like uh, gonna, there's also like a lack of understanding around the length just in one general cycle, while some people would guesstimate that is two weeks, when most women more so menstruate about a week, so about seven days. Um, then also there's a lot of misconceptions surrounding like what actually goes through someone's body when they're menstruating, both on a hormonal level and like the physical attributes of that. So a lot of people like to just call like menstruating people moody or saying they're going through mood swings, but there's a lot of hormones that are like out of whack during one's menstruation, both prior to their menstruation. So when you hear PMSing, like your hormones are kind of out of whack during that time, which causes those mood swings that we see, causes those cravings. But a lot of people like to chalk it up just like, oh, you're on your period. That's just what happens, or there's a lot more to that. Um, And then social and culturally, I would say that um, a lot of cultures and even like society likes to paint like once a person starts menstruating that they become a woman. Um, And I think this could be very damaging to those who don't actually menstruate but identify as a woman. There's a lot of both like cis women who don't menstruate um, as well as like trans women who don't menstruate as well and then also saying that menstruation is a sign of like womanhood can be very damaging because how are you going to tell someone who's like nine and just got their period that they're now a woman they're still a kid they're only nine (laughs) um but that also goes into like how society likes to portray menstruation in media because that goes into like even in kids films they don't like to show menstruation or have conversations around that because they feel like it's inappropriate to show to kids as opposed to it just being a process that happens. There's a lot of things shown to kids and showing the fact that like half of the planet menstruates, it should be the least of our concerns. Then similar to that, like even ads, up until recently, they couldn't have red liquid in their commercials um, because they thought it resembled blood a little too closely, so they always use blue liquid but those are like the same societies that allow for gore and horror, horror to be on like movie screens where you're seeing guts explode. So clearly blood wasn't the main thing that caused a lot of people's like uncomfortness. It was knowing that the blood was more so for menstruation as opposed to like someone being blown up.
1: Um, also like earlier, like before we started the episode you talked about turning red like the the new what Disney movie that just came out I haven't watched it I know nothing about it but can you um like talk a little bit about how it had to do with like the menstrual cycles and um like why parents are upset and stuff like that because I have no idea what that movie's about
2: (laughs) the movie's so cute um there's a particular scene like early on in the movie where the mom misunderstands what's happening to the daughter and thinks that the daughter's now on her period or just started her cycle but she didn't but the mom is so supportive and she pulls out like a bunch of pads and painkillers and you know like heating pads that she'll probably need for her period even brings like makes tea for her to take to school but also brings extra pads when she forgets them in the car to her school Um, I thought it was so cute and I thought they did a really good job in showing like a supportive parent in that like it's something that a lot of people have to go through and having someone supportive in your life can really mean the world Um, but a lot of people didn't take it that way there's a lot of moms on like Facebook and like even on Twitter that kind of felt like that scene was inappropriate Um, they felt like you know, like their kids shouldn't have to see it. Some people have even argued that the film should have been rated like PG-13 simply because it has like conversations surrounding periods mentioned. Whereas there's girls who aren't 13 who get their periods. Like some girls get it as early as nine. Um, and even now we're seeing like records where some people are getting it around eight years old. So saying that it should be PG-13 when this isn't a phenomenon that only affects 13 and up is very inappropriate. Then also like a lot of the misconceptions we're seeing between like menstruating and non-menstruating people is due to a lack of awareness and information surrounding Mm -hmm. menstruation. So if you don't allow like non-menstruating people to know this is the process that exists or even to prepare those who will probably menstruate for this process. You're doing them a disservice and that contributes to a lot of biases against those who menstruate. Because a lot of non-menstruating people kind of go through world, like go through their life not having to think about all those extra things. That's why when it comes to addressing like the pink tax, which is like the tax surrounding um, like menstruation products, is really easy to be like, oh, well, women don't really need that when you do. Um, there's quite a few non-menstruating people who will argue that you know a menstruating person only needs one pad per day, when any menstruating person can tell you that's literally not possible, no matter how light your flow is, you would need more than one pad if you're a pad user. But because they don't know and they don't understand it, they never have to face that reality, um, it does a lot of disservice. Like we can see there's a lot of countries who still struggle with basic accessibility to pads. And those are countries where there's probably not a lot of open conversation about like this process. And even in like Western civilization, there's still that like lack of understanding between like non-menstruating people about menstruation menstruating people and like the things they have to do in preparation for their cycle I thought the film was really good it didn't (laughs) even dive (laughs) sorry circling (laughs) back it didn't dive too deep into like actual menstruation so it wasn't inappropriate people felt like it was a health class it was more so in them introducing that conversation early on that a lot of people felt was inappropriate which i disagree with if you can kind of let everyone know that this is something that that happens people are a lot more open and honest um and one of the biases that we've seen in my lab is just about like periods being a secret and it being a secret contributes to a lot of things we kind of know as biases now so I think they did a good job in starting the conversation and people who disagree I think just have to understand what having this conversation could mean in the long run
1: yeah <laughs> um, before we before Ingrid asked the next question I also wanted to um, kind of just dis- mention a misconception that's like really popular but I've heard since like eighth grade which is the misconception of synchronous cycles so it's basically like I get it's a myth basically um that when you hang out around a certain group of like menstruating people your cycles start aligning um yeah so it's a myth it's not true which I I don't know I feel like I've lived my life thinking it was true for a long time and so now I'm kind of like what but thinking about it, it makes sense that it's not true. Um, basically, it's not as rare as we think it is for s- menstrual cycles to align because if we think about it mathematically, there's only 30 days in a month on average um, and how many days actually exist for all of us to have cycles that don't overlap at some point. So and plus women's menstrual cycles or menstrual cycles can like come a couple of days weeks early. So yeah, it's not as rare as we think it is basically. And so that's why it's a myth. I did not know that until recently. Um but we can go to the next question now.
0: So, how do you think our society encourages us to de or stigmatize menstrual cycles?
2: Um, I think as a society, we stigmatize menstrual cycles because uh, I guess like through making it like a secret, also like through shaming women. And then I guess also making like menstruation seem optional. Um, I think most menstruating people will tell you that they feel a level of shame or they're taught to feel shame about their menstrual cycle. Um, and that's also like linked to like it being a secret, something no one's supposed to know about um it's commonly thought of as like something that's very gross and messy so that's like where a lot of the shame comes in because you feel like you're unclean like you're trying everything you're to be like the cleanest version of yourself because you don't want anyone to know because it all has to be a secret that's why you'll see a lot of people like even in like k through 12 um a lot of girls won't share with their teacher that they're trying to go to the bathroom to like change their pad change their tampons Um, they're like hiding it up their sleeve. They're trying to do everything in their power. I guess even like within friend groups, you'll notice a lot of girls like, oh, can you check my pants, can you check my pants? Because everyone's freaking out that someone around them is gonna know and they shouldn't know the secret. Like it's on a need to know basis. And that creates shame when people do find out that like, oh, you're on your period when it shouldn't be something that shamed. Um, And then I guess with making it optional, um, there's a lot of like medication that's on the market that can manipulate someone's cycle and with that like some people's cycle almost stop completely when they're like on certain like birth controls and stuff like that and so they make periods almost optional and that almost encourages women to see it as an optional thing or at least to treat it as such where it's like if I can avoid having my period I will avoid having my period. And that's not something that we should encourage, but it's something that seems more and more like an option for people. Whether that be like forcing their periods to come early before like a vacation because it's something so gross that you should never be on vacation on your period. Or they'll like take birth control pills that would like basically push off their period so that they can manipulate the time that it comes because. For whatever reason, they may choose so some people might even stay on a particular birth control for a lot longer, so they don't get their periods for a few months, just because they're trying to avoid having periods as often as possible, um, which creates stigma, because periods again are natural. Um, for those who have them, they're supposed to have them. It's not anything so much a feel shamed for having it's like burping it's something that just happens and you can't control it so the fact that people are taught to feel like shame about it or treat it as a secret creates more stigma against it then also again kind of contributes to the lack of knowledge and awareness of surrounding this phenomenon which allows ignorance to prevail around like menstruating people and like
1: the cycle in general
0: Mm mm-hmm that makes a lot of sense um how much more do women have to spend on menstruation products compared to men um
2: i think in general <laughs> um women spend about like 20 dollars per cycle like assuming that that person gets like a cycle every month on like mm-hmm. period products, especially if you're using like ta- uh, pads or tampons, so like over the course of like a woman's menstruation cycle, she probably spends like eighteen to twenty thousand dollars from like the first time she gets her period So like menopause sets in for them. Um, so that's a lot of money. I think also like noting the fact that like compared to like your average like pack of condoms that are max like four dollars. There's also a lot of companies that work to making sure that condoms are accessible, which is really good because access to birth control and contraceptives are always an amazing thing. But knowing that like at the end of the day, men probably won't spend as much on like condoms compared to like women on like menstrual uh, supplies and sanitary um,
1: napkins for their periods is a really big gap. Mm hmm. Also, adding on to what you're saying, I think in general, products for men are cheaper. The most basic example I can think of um, would be like razor blades. Um, woman, or yeah, I would say that razor blades in like, let's say Target, specifically Target, um, the razor blades in the woman's area, they're like, first of all, low quality. They don't do what they're supposed to do, but also they're more expensive which is ironic like if you're going to make something more expensive make the quality higher. But yeah, um men's razors tend to be like they tend to have like more blades on it and they're cheaper. So, that's really interesting because they know that women will pay the extra amount.
0: Um yeah. Because it's necessary for them um, for their mm-hmm. So what steps can we take to get rid of these disparities? Um,
2: I would say the biggest one is just spreading more information. Like they say ignorance is bliss. So I think the biggest one is sharing information, but also making that information accessible to different age groups. Like the movie I mentioned earlier, um, just kind of introducing it a lot younger. But also in not encouraging it to be a secret, I think a lot of menstruating people, I guess like speaking in the binary, like a lot of women are taught that men should never know that they're on their period specifically, as opposed to like, well, women could probably let another woman know like, oh, yeah, I'm on my period, but men are never supposed to be in the know when that's wrong. And then also allowing a lot of men to kind of go through life not really aware of the fact that like periods happen allow for like those common like thoughts like oh well women are just always just so emotional when she's on her period or like oh if you give a woman chocolate on her period she'll just be whatever um, and they only really are taught to care when they and if they have like women in their life who allow them in on that part of their life um, but again not speaking in the binary. I think just generally spreading more information about it can do wonders because even in addressing um, like the pink tax a lot of men or a lot of like non-menstruating people will argue that they just don't know how much like how many products you would need so they're like oh we well, only need one tampon no one would only ever use one tampon but they don't understand how like menstruation works which is why that's like An argument that they'll make and feel very confident in, but they don't have that information because they're not taught and they're not made aware of that. And also even for like menstruating people, a lot of them, a lot of women or a lot of menstruating people until like they hit their 20s don't know a lot about Menstruation—they only know about their own physical cycle, but they won't even know how that's linked to other things. Whereas, like a lot of people experience hormonal acne because of their like period, where they don't link the two together. And just like learning other stuff about their body, like even like their energy levels and how that affects their ability in school in terms of like focusing on information, all that could be affected simply because you're on your cycle and like both before and after your cycle. Um, so just spreading more information about that, and making it more accessible to younger people, even if it's just in a very broad sense. So it's not like a secret in society that no one knows about. It's something everyone generally can talk about, feel supported in, um, and both menstruating and non-menstruating people can make sure that the laws surrounding it are more reasonable and accessible. Because um, it's when one group doesn't know about something happening yet, they're allowed to make the rules about how that thing happens. Is when there's a lot of weird laws created that do more harm than good.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, I just randomly thought of another, like, I guess it's in regard to how we're not really educated on. Um, like menstrual cycles and like information pertaining to it I was watching this documentary the other day saying that um, basically a menstrual cycle is divided into two um, phases one is the follicular phase the other is the luteal and um, you can kind of harness both the like qualities of both of these phases to like be the most efficient version of yourself So like an example in the follicular phase, um, people on their cycles tend to be, people who experience cycles tend to have more energy. Um, They're like, what's the word? They have more energy. They're like, I guess, physically stronger. Their appetite goes down. So it would make sense for people who experience menstrual cycles to Maybe if they have like fitness goals, um, add the weights in your follicular phase. Um, but yeah, we can harness um, the, okay, we could take advantage of the benefits of like the different phases of our menstrual cycles. thought that was really, really interesting. And if I hadn't had watched that documentary, I would have never known that. But um. I think that's the end of our podcast. Thank you so much Liz for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> and um I guess until next time.
0: Bye. Bye. And it goes a little like